Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Alright buddy, clinching time. Already a couple of teams popping that champagne. Indians, Astros, of course, the Nationals, and the Dodgers. That is right. But when I read this, I originally thought clinching time as in like sort of more like clenching time. You know, we're getting very nervous oh. about things happening for our respective teams. Mm, making it look more and more likely that the... Uh, Red Sox are going to host the Twins in in that wild card game. <laughs> I know it's getting it's getting dangerously close to that. I man, I should have started saving my pennies a couple of years ago if I wanted to make it to that game. Oh yeah, that would be expensive. But as a uh, you know, as a, a realistic Twins fan, I'm just happy that we're only three games away from clinching a 500 record. You're yeah, you're pretty close. You got a positive run differential. Yep coming to clinching time i don't know this is pretty good for you a lot's been happening i'm i'm excited uh you know no thanks as we have long discussed to management <laughs> okay well something else was clinched mm. uh our our league's fantasy cup was mm. um won unfortunately by one of our mm. two nemeses actually it was our two nemeses were the ones fighting for the championship mm yesterday yeah and you know it's weird because after i got beat by by one of our nemeses i completely flipped i was all on, all in on his team winning i was like well if i'm gonna get beat i need you want to you want to lose to the champion you know, i, I want to lose to the champion and uh yeah that's a yeah that's one way to think about it no no luck on that front we lost to lost to the same guy that we interviewed last year do you think we're gonna extend the invite this year Mm, yeah we'll see if he takes us up on it fine <laughs> we will He's have invited. to see i uh well i think you know i've never drafted in this half of the of the draft before <laughs> so <laughs> so we'll we'll see what happens um excited yeah. about that fourth place i'll take it would have would have liked third lost two weeks tie on tiebreakers lost both of two week two two week battles in a row you lost on tiebreakers yeah that should have probably gotten third place just goes to show you well i needed second because i played the first i played the first and the second seeds yeah i know but anything would have helped at that point anything would have helped at that point anyways there's always next year as i've been telling myself for the last like four months (laughs) i think we're we'll probably start to shift into that transition mode pretty soon Absolutely. Start to think about the next year. Uh, last thing I want to just briefly complain about, quick West Coast travel complaint. If the two of us sound tired today, for at least one of us, it's because it's in the, on the West Coast. And the thing that I always think of on the West Coast is the time that sports air. Because waking up Sunday morning 
to rotate my fantasy football lineup for a 10 o'clock game is pretty upsetting. Oh, it's it's hard, isn't it? It's yeah. really annoying. Yeah, no, I mean, in some ways on the East Coast, you feel like you just have plenty of time before games start at 1. And here in Central, it kind of like makes sense. Like, oh, mm-hmm. just have to do it before lunch. And then... You know, once you get into the mountain time, it starts being like, ooh, you might not actually be up and about and ready to think about fantasy by the time <laughs> that that first game starts. I agree with that. And the other thing that I noticed was at the end of the night, you know, at 10 p.m., everything is done. You're like, oh, well, sports are over <laughs> for the day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's odd, right? You actually know what actually happened. All right. Today, Eric is going to rehash the preseason consensus rankings versus ADP and look at the wisdom of the people in that context. And then I'm going to build off of what I was talking about last week, do a game theory checkup, try and put some numbers to the things that we were talking about last week using data from our league and present a thesis about something we can think about for next year. So take it away, Eric. One of the prompts for the season and the podcast in general was the notion of Vox Populi, the idea that we can crowdsource some of our fantasy advice from the masses rather than rely on the experts. Well, how do we judge whether or not this is a viable piece of advice? You know, it sounds great in practice, right? Uh, flawless, theoretically, as we like to say. Um Mike, I've written down two pieces here that I think are ways to kind of check whether it, um, check in on the wisdom of the people and also kind of see whether it, uh, it's tracking ownership and ADP, average draft position. Is there anything else that I'm missing? Anything else that you're missing on this? Uh, well, I think you can subdivide ownership into both the the, the actual number that are owned and the rate of change although we've done that with we've done that with adp as well where we've we've tried to track some of the micro changes Mm -hmm. Um, we talked about that earlier this season most of what we found centered around injuries and guys plummeting down the adp as opposed to crawling up it from spring training stories but still very relevant you remember the guy that we talked about a little bit the bird is the word Oh, at uh, in ADP you're talking about? Yeah, who crawled up? Yeah, Bird. That's right. Never made it, but we were just basically mm, a little bit off. Another gargantuan Yankee was the one that we were supposed to be focusing on. Yeah, we were so close. <laughs> anyway, so I really I push these out here, ownership and and ADP, because I think that these are going to be um, some of the ways that we're going to be able to judge, you know, whether uh, Vox Populi. Um, and the opinions of the masses can actually inform our decisions in fantasy. So let's focus more on the ADP because uh, we did extensive research on this. Before the season, I was tracking fantasy pros, um, aggregate ADP, and their aggregate expert rankings as a way to help me during the draft. It helped me towards some older guys who our league was counting out. Um, of course, 
some I had some mixed results in my season, um, but I don't think that it was actually the draft. I think a lot of those players did really well. See Longoria, Evan, and Jones, Adam, who <laughs> I was touting, <laughs> and and did super well. Now, um, while I know that we looked at the draft a few weeks back, this is a this is a really different look at it in that. Um, I thought that it would be fun to compare the aggregate expert rankings to the average draft positions as reported by Fantasy Pros. Hmm. Now, I will start this with a warning because I realized it going in and then try to get ambitious and then decided to just caveat this. I have, for us, the, um, the data that I provided you, Mike, this is the Fantasy Pros data from April 1st. Okay. April Fool's Day, as it were. Now, what does that mean, Mike? So let's let's kind of walk through what, um, what biases there are in this data set. Number one I've got here is the temporal bias. What, what do you think I mean by that, Mike? What really screws them up? What, what kind of screws with the data set? Injuries you're talking about injuries right yeah. injuries is one thing that adp cannot adjust for yeah. fast enough but rankings adjust for really really fast so those aggregate rankings are going to reflect i don't know maybe david price having an elbow scare <sighs> Come on, man um it's gonna show up in the rankings but then adp it's it's already too late right yes thank you <laughs> yes it was already too late at that point <laughs> the other thing and is that the data that we got from fantasy pros was across leagues. And um, we mentioned, we talked about this once last year and we've mentioned in passing before the league constructions in fantasy baseball can be vastly different. So players that are effective in some leagues might not be as effective in, in others. Like for instance, Adam Dunn was amazing in our league, but there are some leagues that he was not, usable in this isn't last year this is like seven years ago seven eight years ago whereas there are some guys like joey Votto, who in some leagues is even more valuable than he is in in our league but anyways (laughs) come on man what do all of these examples have to do with my team um (laughs) i'll try to get another few another couple of examples (laughs) going here Mike, why don't we flip over to this this spreadsheet that I that I shared with yes. you? Um, I've got it here. This is, as I said, this is the um, we've got players in column A. We have the best ranking that they received, worst ranking, average ranking, average ranking. This is the one that I'm talking about. Yeah. Average expert ranking. Um, little standard deviation. We've got the ADP as well. The the average draft position of these players. And then we've got the current CBS rank. That's what it is for our league, our rules, our 12-team league with one extra damn outfielder. Um, and then I've, I've created a couple of columns that have differences. First thing that you... Mike, I've also got here for us a little, a little graph, a little scatter plot. This is the uh i've got on the x-axis i've got the adp's difference from the current ranking and on the y-axis i have the average ranking difference 
from the current CBS ranking. And then these are plotted against each other. Hmm. So Anthony Rizzo, his ADP was 11. His average expert ranking was 11. And currently in CBS, he is number 11. <laughs> so he is he is the zero zero point right That's now. beautiful. So I've got this graph for, for us here. And what's amazing is these plot pretty darn well with each other, right? I'm actually scratching my head trying to figure out why these plot so well. Well, number one, they plot so well because these are the top, this is the top 100. I've kept it to the top I 100 see. because it gets it gets gross. Okay. <laughs> and these are tracking pretty pretty well right now. I've got the I've got a trend line in here that says that we're at 0 0.989 times x plus 0 0.2 which means that that's pretty close to y equals x. Buster Posey is a weird outlier on this. So that must be the catcher effect. That must be the, the fact that he's the yep. first catcher off the board, and the experts will tell you, don't do that. But have you seen where Gary Sanchez is? Ah, uh, where's Gary Sanchez? The ADP, the people that that's reached crazy. for Gary Sanchez were awarded. He um, His ADP was 55 the average expert ranking was 74. He's at, sitting at 51 right now. That is interesting. That's really interesting. <laughs> That's good, right? So, I, I mean, I, we can probably go on for a little while here with some of our favorite um, favorite anecdotes here. But this is all, all extremely interesting to see where the experts were right, where, the, uh, where Vox Populi were right. But in general, the one way that I started to kind of judge this i went round by round to look at what the total absolute difference was between and this isn't so this isn't saying positive or negative who was who was closer it's just saying like how much were they off by mm -hmm. and they track pretty darn well so the first 12 and adp i want to just list these off quick here mike trout mookie betts jose altuve chris bryant Nolan Arenado, Clayton Kershaw, Paul Goldschmidt, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, Josh Donaldson, Anthony Rizzo, and Max Scherzer. So by by the total difference in ADP, oh, of course, um, <laughs> total difference in, in ADP was 235 spots. The total difference between ADP and, um, and their current ranking. 232 is the average difference right from the expert rankings and the current ranks. Hmm. And you know where most of that comes from? Josh Donaldson. Really? Josh Donaldson, who's at, at about 100 right now because of his injuries. Poor guy. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. I'll buy that. But then you go round, round, round by round and it starts to get a little bit farther on the ADP side. I think that's because people can't hedge their bets nearly the same way. They can't they can't hedge their bets with their hearts the same way that uh, experts can with their numbers. And also the steal the people who drop and end up being steals in drafts, you know, late like mm -hmm. really close to the deadline, those are also hurting, you know, this 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 sum total yeah and i think you know experts are also not hamstrung by roster construction at all oh absolutely and ultimately absolutely. adp is going to reflect that especially when you get to the later rounds 
yeah, for for certain that's and that really hurts in those later rounds. Anyway, so I thought that this was just you know this was kind of interesting, starting to really, um, starting to really pick that push that log over and see what's underneath. A whole lots of creepy crawlies. Um, this is a bit of a work in progress, but I thought it might be a good way to brush up on some of the topics we'd like to discuss in our alternate abstract for Sloan. Hopefully Mike is working on that. I haven't really done that much work on the growth charts one. Um, but really, at first blush, I'm really impressed at how ADP mm-hmm. performed. ADP was at a disadvantage, really, when you're thinking about this because you know people like Mike, who drafted David Price before he got hurt, <laughs> still show up in the ADP but you know they it still tracked really well with the fantasy experts rankings so this is some good stuff our league might be over but the pod still goes on here's a little preview of what we're going to talk about in the review session aphrodisiac yes oh, or no uh, they say it is I haven't heard. I'm sorry, listeners. I just saw a little bit of a, a little bit of a shoulder waggle, a little bit of a little bit of an eye turn there. I think that what he's, his body is saying yes, even though his voice is saying no. <laughs> when we release the video version of this pod, people can draw their own conclusions. Some people can draw their own conclusions. Yes, indeed. I have a simple thesis statement for you. Oh boy! You can tell a lot about the managerial decisions made by looking at the stats that are accrued on the bench versus the stats that are accrued with active guys in a league. All right, yep. CBS luckily makes this relatively easy, so I can do this fairly straightforwardly. For our league, they give you both MLB and fantasy stats. So fantasy is what's accrued by your team when the guys are active, and then MLB just includes everything. So for a 30,000-foot view you can just take these two numbers at face value and say, well, how did you do in terms of all of the stats that you could have accrued? What did you actually get out of it in fantasy? So the dream is that basically you get all of the counting stats that your counting stats are basically right on and your ratio stats are much better than the entire MLB saying that, okay, on this day, you know, I chose to sit, I don't know, Scooter Jennett against a left-hander or something. I chose... For his four-home run game? Oh, yeah, my gosh. I know, right? <laughs> Basically, that's what... Yeah, so you got you to gotta navigate those pitfalls. Or, like, I chose to sit Bartolo Colon all of the time because uh, he's not very good. So this is a little... You know, there's a little bit of iffiness here because uh, you don't sort for the team quality at all when you compare this. So the fact that mm-hmm. certain teams are their average is higher than other teams is not necessarily taken into account. So this is sort of a second-order managerial effect, but still interesting, I think. So let's try and attach some numbers to this. And this is something that it would be relatively easy to do in in any league, I think. Uh, First of all, I just looked at the full-season tallies. So I said, all right, year-to-date stats on the guys that are on your team, how'd you do with over the course of the entire year, and I specifically looked at the ratio stats. And I had a really interesting point of note here at the beginning, once I broke this up a little bit over time, it turns out that early on in the season, managers seem to start all of their pitchers in our league. There's very little bench accrual of stats, and pitching in particular. 
do you have any thoughts about why this would be? Why are we starting everybody at the beginning of the season? Just total confidence in your draft? Yeah, both total confidence in the draft and but more a, like a lack of wanting to see a, a loss early on in the season based on forgetting to start <laughs> someone when you don't know what they're going to be what they're going to be throwing. And so that that statement that you just made actually plays into what I was going to go for next, which is the the one where you said you don't actually know what they're going to be throwing. I'm wondering if this is a game theory exploitable position so we can you oh use game theory to tell us all right well at the beginning of the season maybe our opponents are actively going to not be starting their or starting all of their pitchers for instance so maybe this tells you that there's a, a sneaky opening there where you can sort of over manage your pitchers at the beginning this of course mm -hmm. is really contingent on having a sense of what the pitchers are going to do against people at least your pitchers, yeah. Well, your own pitchers, right. So you're responsible for your own pitchers. And that, to me, really gets at making turning this into a game theory thing where we can exploit the advantage that we've maybe found that most people start all of their pitchers at the beginning of the season just simply not knowing what they have. All right. So before we get too far, Eric, I want to give you a chance to rate your own managerial prowess. Oh, this year? Of all the guys that you've had over the course of the season... First question, are you plus or minus on ERA? Are you, well, are you better, were you better as a manager or worse as a manager on ERA? Better. You definitely were better. Very interesting. Yeah. Like quite a bit better. We'll get uh, 0.1, 0.1 ERA better over the course of the whole season. Okay. Which it turns out was the largest margin for better in our league. <laughs> Woo. All right. How about, nice. how about on whip? No. That was not better. So the fact that you feel that way is is you know a good a good heat check. Uh, you were exactly even <laughs> over the course of the really? season. Really? Yeah. So wow. Of all the guys that you started and sat, you appear to be completely even across this. So I think that we can come to you for some pitching advice here. You've got a little bit sure. of a leg up on at least most of the league. And I'll tell you, in our league, um, the ranges in ERA, the improvements, just to give you a sense of where we're going, uh, ranged from minus 0.01, which means, or minus 0.1, so 0.1 better, just solely based on managing over the course of the year. Again, remember, these are season-long averages, so the fact that it averages out to that tells you that some weeks, he was Eric was probably even better than that, like managed his team much better than that. Um, and then there are guys in our league that go all the way to 0.57, meaning they chose to sit the wrong guys. Yeah, <laughs> They sat losers. guys, and those guys had good games. Now, again, you have to remember that there are some strategic things that were sweeping under the rug here, but... I think by and large, this tells you something interesting about the range of managerial decisions. Whip has a much smaller range, um, about 0.01 better to 0.11 worse. Um, just to just to tell you that you can also apply this to hitting side. Batting average um, goes from about eight points worse to six points better over the course of the whole season. Um, so again, not a whole lot of range there. Um, again, that is nothing. It's really nothing. Tells you something about the volatility, I think, of batting average from week to week. Yeah. So the average is just kind of coming out to zero. I personally had exactly zero, which <laughs> I may as well not manage, is what that tells me. Well, 
it really depends on how much thought you've put into it, which I think you did put a lot of th- thought into it this last year. That's right. I put a lot of pre-thought into it. I decided I'm just going to start all these guys. I know they're high average guys. I'm going to bank on them mm. doing good mm. by themselves. <laughs> and then yeah. I will not manage them, micromanage them on a day-to-day basis. All right. Um, challenges in this in this model so far, in this study so far, counting stats are a little wonky here. Um, you're always going to, quote unquote, underproduce in the sense that the managerial decision is is all, all who you started versus didn't start. So you're always going to have more on your bench. This in part yeah. tells you a little bit more about how deep guys' benches are versus um, what your personal managerial decisions are. Of course, that that does give you information about their managerial decisions. It's just buried under a couple layers that are hard to get to. Um, my point, my second point, and this is more of a case study, is I wanted to look at my finals matchup and look at the game theory aspect here. I'm going to give you two bench stat lines. These are a little bit long, but I'm going to read them out. And what I want you to tell me is who won the matchup. So I'm going to give you the bench stats, not the accrued, not the actual stats that counted. You have to tell me which one of these won. So one one of the guys had 51 at-bats on his bench, which was good for a 314 batting average, five home runs, 18 RBIs, 17 runs, 52.1 innings, 54 Ks, 2.7 ERA, 0.994 whip, three wins, three losses. Again, this is over a two-week period, so remember half all these numbers, basically, for what you're thinking. So that's the first guy. Mm-hmm. Second guy on his bench accrues zero at-bats, so therefore... Zero home runs, zero RBIs, zero runs, zero stolen bases, and only 8.2 innings, 9Ks, 3.1 ERA, 1.3 whip, one loss, and two saves. Good good on them getting those two saves on that bench. So obviously two very different strategies here. Uh, which one of these guys won? Uh the first one yeah that's the insane part it's the one that accrued all of these stats on the bench it's not the one that had no stats on the bench maybe tells me something about my non-traditional view oh so i was the guy that had zero people on the bench accruing bench stats and i lost the week um maybe tells me something about my very strong game theory-esque strategy here where I want to have zero guys on my bench. It turns out that might be a little bit too strong in the overcorrection. That would be, if you remember our analogy from last week, picking zero. So it's irrelevant every time. (laughs) Yeah. So I was sort of in that boat where, you know, it doesn't matter what I do for managing because I've already made all of the managerial decisions at a higher level. So hard to decide exactly what to do. All right, let me give you a couple points. Let me give you a couple points to chew on here while we're thinking about this for the next couple All right, minutes. I like it. Um, first, first statement, um, <laughs> the idea of starting everyone is attractive and not having any bench guys. And while I largely stand by the decisions I made during the finals, I was definitely an outmatched team. So the decisions that I made that led me to this game theory route, um, this problematic game theory route were made earlier in the season. So I need to take corrective action earlier, give myself a better chance to be set for the actual game theory options and have that sort of pivotable team that we talked about last week. Yeah, that is that is a really, really big point, is that game theory here is how you take an even playing field and or slightly skewed playing field and end up eking out a victory. 
Second point here, um, exploiting matchups from the start of the season seems a little bit like a market inefficiency to me from a game theory perspective. Um, other guys just simply might not be ready to do the full-on matchup analysis, so I'm going to start to think about how we can prepare for this and be ready out of the gate to squeeze out those extra couple of wins from the ERN website. Absolutely. And I got to say, we're going to have to defer to Eric on this one. Kudos are in order for you for managing on the pitching side here. Um, but let's try and increase the baseline quality of our pitchers next year. <laughs> <laughs> So that we don't have to manage quite so Ooh. aggressively. Let's uh, let's draft a little bit better and then give ourselves some more flexibility. How about? Sounds good. You about ready to wrap this sucker up? No, I was hoping we could go on forever with that topic so we didn't have to get to this next one. Uh-oh. Uh, you don't like what I wrote here? You know how good I felt about the Vikings last week? I feel... Equally bad? Exactly the opposite. Week. But do you at least have some solace in watching um, your man Adrian struggle oh absolutely struggling with those ap credits he's he's got to be the he's like the legit third option on that on the new orleans team right oof and uh well legitimately the first option is to pass 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 well okay so he's he's really the fourth option (laughs) yeah i think yeah because i think he's i think he's actually third on the running back depth chart and i mean he Mm -hmm. he definitely is in terms of touches yeah oh poor guy probably should have gotten signed by the Dallas Cowboys. They could have. They could have used a little bit of extra something on the ground this last week. Little did they know. Um, you know, I did want to talk about this. though. I have found more and more that I do not care for watching teams that I have no rooting interest for. And this year, I am really down on watching for fantasy football. <laughs> so I really, uh, I'm not like really interested in watching these teams. I think we might have automated one too many things because I just spend most of the games thinking like, how am I going to scrape these stats so that I can figure (laughs) out, so that I can do this more efficiently? Like I'm never going to remember what, (laughs) you know, what Travis Benjamin racked up, but like my computer can tell me instantly. That is one way to look. That is an interesting way to look at it, actually. You want to jump over to talking about BoJack? I think we should. I... This this is the start and end point for that. I I don't think there's anywhere else to go from here. Uh, you wrote a note here. How disturbed are you each time Mr. Peanut Butter engages in coitus? And the answer is extremely. It's it's uncomfortable, isn't it? I, there was a point where I stepped back and I was like, what? How the animators? <laughs> like, like, oh man. This is bad, bad for everybody on all levels. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I don't know if they're trying to make it creepy or if they just, like, happened upon it and were like, oh, let's just go with this. They just happened upon it? <laughs> they must have known that there's, like, there's something bestial about oh, what they're doing there. Well, they, I mean, they just sort of, I think that's sort of par for the course in the show, but... <laughs> I know, but like when the cat and the mouse are engaging that in coitus, it's still funny. It's, uh, yeah, that's true. It's funny, much funnier than Mr. Peanut Butter. All right, well, if you are keeping up with us, uh, next week is episodes five and six of season four. Yeah, go ahead and watch those. Maybe we'll have a little bit more BoJack talk next week, I think. But that brings us to the review session. And something I was thinking about after spending the weekend in Seattle 
oysters. And I I don't actually know your opinion on oysters. I hate them. They're disgusting. What? <laughs> what? Really? They're disgusting. What are you talking about? They're, it's just a mucusy membrane that you... That sounded great, frankly. <laughs> All of them? Do you like the wood-fired ones as well? I, oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? I love... I mean, raw oh is God. the key. Like, take me to a raw bar any day. This I thought this was going to be a great discussion where we were going to say, yeah, well, you know, I prefer the warm water East Coast oysters to the briny taste of the northwest oyster or you know up to into the alaskan bays but no 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 this just turns out to be much simpler than that it's oysters pro or con yeah i really i can't i can't stand oysters unfortunately and the um the wood-fired ones i think are just ridiculous oh, so do you do okay uh, you know at risk of at risk of like knocking off several review sessions here are you, you do clams you do any shellfish Mussels? Eh, not big clams. Mussels? Scallops? We'll do mussels. Scallops? I have been getting more into lately. This this is a bizarro thing. The The guy who grew up in Minnesota and didn't see the ocean until he was 14 is like, <laughs> loves the seafood. And the guy that was born, I don't know, what, a mile from the water? Can't. can't not a huge fan. Can't hack it with the shellfish. Wow not not a big okay fan. well that we were looking for a contentious review session and uh we found it all right time for a little housekeeping be sure to subscribe to us on itunes and follow us on twitter fantasy tools mind the z thank you mild manner for letting us use your tunes be sure to follow them on soundcloud and facebook Feel free to email us with questions or comments send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com again Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah!